you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Dave Canales, OC for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this is the NFL Report. Welcome to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Rhett Lewis with you. We're going to have to have Dave Canales do another one of those because the title is incorrect, Rhett. Rhett is filling in for Steve Weich. We have a boatload of faces, Rhett, that we are going to get to, including Dante Hall, the human joystick, one of the most entertaining players to watch, Chiefs legend. We also have Omar Ruiz, Stacey Dales covering us for the NFC side of things. Baldy will be with us as well for Baldy's favorite films. I'm so glad you joined us on a show where there's so little to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that's why you had to bring me in, right, as the content specialist, as the conversationalist <laughs> here. This, that's why I'm mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's exciting. And this is, such, this is like my favorite time of the year because we get to merge, you know, my favorite worlds, right, which are, you know, you get the NFL postseason, which is impossible to beat, but it's also the beginning of draft season, right? So we're going to have all-star games coming up next mm-hmm. week. I'm getting ready to head to Frisco, Texas for the 99th annual East West Shrine Bowl Ooh. senior senior bowl kicks off next week, and uh, I'm gonna have a little bit, little bit of, little bit of something for you uh, on some names to watch from those games later in the show. I like it, I like it, I like it. Let's get to these head coaching changes. I said it, Rhett. Dave Canales is no longer the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. When this hire happened, just a little bit before we started this show, what was the first thing that went through your mind, Rhett? Wow. Um, I mean, it it really was because it feels like a dramatic star rise and a star turn for Mm -hmm. Dave Canales, JP. Um, One year as the offensive coordinator play caller in Tampa and now is getting his shot as a head coach. And the one thing that that I know is for certain, I mean, the Panthers have gone through this process, right? They brought in a ton of different guys. Um, we know this is a demanding ownership group, right? With David Tepper, um, just hired their new GM. Understatement, Yep. Yep. Probably Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I really (laughs) like Dan Morgan, uh, as a GM, he's been there as the assistant. He, he knows what good programs are like and how to build them. And he knows what it means to be in lockstep with a head coach. He saw it with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott Mm -hmm. up in Buffalo when he was up with that crew. Um, and so now coming here to Carolina, I feel like that's what you're going to get with Morgan, with Canales, and this brain trust moving forward, trying to get Bryce Young and this Carolina Panthers team moving. And that's the ticket right there. What is your plan for Bryce Young? You know it was asked to every single guy who interviewed there with David Tepper. And and I think what we've seen, Dave Canales, and he's been on this show, he's talked to us at length about his offensive philosophies. I think that's going to be what a lot of us are watching and what he does with Bryce Young. He has Baker Mayfield coming in, and the one year they're together, he's up for comeback player of the year. Not only also before that, Geno Smith, and before that, Russell Wilson. What he's conveyed to us, Rhett, that I think is so impressive is he said, really everything we do is molded to our quarterback his ability to change his offense for the skill set of his quarterback I think is one of his best traits that he continues to find concepts that work and then builds the offense off those concepts and things that just don't work for that quarterback are thrown out as well as changing other aspects around the quarterback look the shuffling he did on that offensive line in Tampa. I want you here. You used to play here. Now you're over here. And he changed it all to fit their skill sets, their body types, and they ran the football better. He was also able to build that entire offense off of a wide receiver like Mike Evans and then figure out how to play what defenses do, play off of that. I think it's an impressive offensive mind that has shown us over the last couple of years that he has the ability to adapt and change like nobody's business. All right, let's move on to another co- another head coach, Rhett, that is uh, not getting his start. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, old hat at this game, coming off of a national championship. It is Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. He is back in the NFL, going to the place where, you know, he just couldn't get in a Lombardi trophy in college. It was always the thing that was driving him. Yeah. He lands with the Chargers. What will we see differently in Los Angeles now? Yeah, well, I think you're going to see... 
offense and team philosophy operated operated in a much different way. I think this is going to be a grittier, tougher team. I mean, that's that has been the hallmark of Jim Harbaugh coach mm. teams wherever he's been. I mean, kind of famously when he was at Stanford, got like all the parents uh, of all the players like locked into that. Hey, bring your lunch pail to work mentality. You know, we've got blue collars. Mm-hmm. We might wear red jerseys, but we're making sure the blue stays with the way that we play. Um, and the interesting thing here is what's he going to do? What does this look like for, for Justin Herbert? Obviously, Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. has coached insanely talented quarterbacks before. See Andrew Luck at Stafford. Now, at Stanford. Now, while they didn't put up like ridiculous video game type numbers through the air, everyone knew that Andrew Luck was an immense talent, right? And, and Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. certainly brought that out in him. So how he tailors this offense and his offensive staff to accentuate Justin Herbert's skill set is going to be really intriguing. I think there's going to be an emphasis put on building that offensive line even more than it already has been with their two first-round picks last couple of years and uh, Rashawn Slater and Zion Johnson. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another high draft resource spent on that front to get that rolling. And then I think that this is this at number five overall in this year's draft where the Chargers are picking, I think this squarely puts Brock Bowers, the top tight end in mm. this class, in the conversation, right? And that's high for a tight end. That's rich. I get it. But this is a tough, gritty dude, even though he's from Napa, California. He's a tough, gritty dude. He can get dirty in the run game. He's an insane athlete. He's great after the catch. Phenomenal hands. Look at what Jim Harbaugh did, JP, with the tight ends at Michigan. Colson Loveland, A.J. Barner is going to be playing in the Senior Bowl. They were dominant. Luke Schoonmaker last year drafted in the second round by the Cowboys. They're big pieces of the offense. That's why I think that that could be an opportunity to see Brock Bowers come off the board when we get to Detroit. Well, you get your hands dirty going after grapes in the soil up there in Napa. It's fine. You can get gritty. And listen, tight ends have flourished, especially rookies this past season. We've always seen the run game, even when it was Andrew Luck, by the way. He's always had an emphasis on the run game, no matter where he has been. And you're right. Tight ends, always a big part of what he does. Real quickly, I'll say, I think it's an identity. Right. I think that has been lacking since this team moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. They haven't even had an identity in their own building, especially in their own city. Now they bring in a head coach who is essentially look at us, make sure you pay attention to us. And they get somebody that is going to make sure that they win football games and to make sure that people notice that they're winning football games. And I think, honestly, that's something that's been lacking with the Chargers. Let's go to his brother real quickly before we get out of here and look at the Ravens. Because this is a big weekend for the Harbaugh's. What do you see from the Baltimore Ravens? One part going into that AFC Championship game that sticks out to you. Yeah, one thing that really sticks out to me is the way they've utilized the tight ends uh, this year. And obviously, Mm. Mark Andrews, when you got an all-pro type in Mark Andrews, that's easy to do and easy to say. Like, yeah, we want to get Mark Andrews to football. Well, he's been out, right, for a couple months now with the injury. Although it sounds like he is on his way back. Again, fully participating in practice. This week there, James, but Isaiah likely has been tremendous as a target for Lamar Jackson, especially in Mark Andrews's absence. And it's stuff you talk to people around the Ravens and I saw it this summer spending some time with them. Like they always knew that this is who Isaiah likely was. We saw it in flashes his rookie year, too. He's now just getting those opportunities right with Mark Andrews gone. So I imagine even if Mark comes back, they're going to find ways to accentuate what Isaiah likely can bring to this team. So I'm getting into the end zone, you know, a week ago. Um, and, and basically, you know, I, I think he's been really well-developed, both having a, a mm-hmm. stud like Mark Andrews there. His tight ends coach, George Godsey, is kind of underrated uh, in NFL circles. I think he does a great job getting those guys together. And I'm just hoping that they can get a dance club scene going in that <laughs> locker room afterwards so we can see an encore from George Godsey. We need more of it, right? Look at this Where's guy. Georgie? Let's find him. There he Let is. The moment build. There Let he the is. Bald head JP. right there. Gotsy. Just Let's slow playing it. Just and slow playing it. And there he goes. Yes. And then he works it. Love it from George. And they don't run two tight end sets very often, Rhett. So it's going to be That's interesting right. to see what they change offensively, philosophy-wise, if they want to get both these guys on the field at the same time. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball and go with maybe the only player in this game that is a member of Mensa. That is all-pro safety Kyle Hamilton with 132 IQ. This is a game full of versatile players that have high football IQs. He might be at the top of all those guys that are playing in this game. He's going to have the assignment a lot in this game. They're going to throw different things at Travis Kelsey, but he's going to have the assignment quite a bit, and what he does against the future Hall of Famer 
is going to be just one of the things that he does to impact this game. He can rush the quarterback like an edge rusher. He can play the safety spot. He can cover deep. He can tackle like a linebacker. He can play about five different positions for this defense. One of the most versatile, talented players in the NFL. And he missed two games this year. I know it's a small sample size, Rhett. This defense, arguably the best in all of football. The two games he missed... Statistically, those were two of the worst performances we saw from a defense this season. And that's just without one player, and that's the Mensa member in Kyle Hamilton. Well, we got another versatile guy coming up, Rhett. That's Dante Hall. How about that? The human joystick. I wonder if that's his favorite nickname. I'm going to ask him that next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. He's going to be the MVP for a reason. I mean, he's, he goes out there, he, he leads his team, um, he, he scores, um, he, he runs, he throws, he does whatever it takes to win, and, and that's what the great greats do. And uh, uh, like I said, it'll be a great challenge for our defense, but also a great challenge for our offense going against their defense. So uh, it's going to take a, a full team effort if we want to find a way to get a win. He's a great quarterback, um, definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not even a, it's a no-brainer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, but he's it, just – I believe it's just – Two, two, two greats, um, up and coming greats, just going toe to toe, you know, like a heavyweight fight, heavyweight matchup. That's that's just what I see. Welcome back to the NFL Report, James Palmer, Rhett Lewis, with you. And if you're gonna have a heavyweight fight, I need more trash talk. Maybe Dante Hall, the Chiefs' great, can bring some of that trash talk into this. Listen, too many compliments, Dante. I'm not gonna lie, too <laughs> many compliments between those two great players as we're heading into this AFC Championship game. I appreciate you joining us, and I have to get this out of the way first before we continue. What is your favorite nickname for you? Because you have a lot of them. <laughs> My favorite is the human joystick. Yes. And the reason yes. being... Gotta be. Um, it's just a great name, right? And before I picked up the game of golf, I was an avid gamer. So at the time that Mitch Holtis oh. gave me that moniker... I was like knee deep playing video games nine hours a day. And it also fits <laughs> my playing style. So it just works perfectly. I agree. I think, I think that's, um, I mean, it was, it was terrific because it was organic too. And uh, you know, Mitch is one of the best in the business, obviously in the, in the radio play-by-play world mm-hmm. here in the NFL. And, and so hearing him call some of your touchdowns was a, a childhood memory of mine. Um, I, you know, I love it. And, you know, you had the opportunity to not only do it uh, on some great, you know, regular season teams with the Chiefs, but you guys got into the postseason too, where we're sitting here now, you know, on the verge of, of the Super Bowl now for the Chiefs, a familiar spot for them. But like I, I go back to that 04 game, you know, and I don't I know you don't want to get into the result of that game against the Colts, but you went off. <laughs> they call right? that they call that the no punt game. That's right. Yeah. See, and I, I kind of believe that, that we, we could see something like that this week with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, the way these two no, uh, the defenses. I, I, I are disagree. Much I disagree. I think yeah. you got what the number one defense and the Ravens, yeah. you got the number three defense and yeah. and uh Chiefs. I don't think you're gonna see a no punt game. And this particular, I understand why you're going that because of the dynamics of each right. quarterback with these defenses. When we, when we played in that 04 game, I think our defense was ranked like 30th. And the um, <laughs> you had to score somewhere close by. So, no, I don't think we're going to see that this Sunday. So, but but I wanted to ask you that too because of, of the you know, like your performance in that game was incredible. Obviously, you had the kick return touchdown. You had the receiving touchdown. So you know what it feels like to make those big plays in those big moments. And just hearing these two quarterbacks talk about the plays that they want to make and, you know, the respect they have for each other. What what was that feeling like to know the impact you had on a game at that stage? I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I was, even though I had a great individual performance, I truly felt that year, we had a team uh, that could make it all the way to the Super Bowl. We just had to win two games at Arrowhead. We started the season 10-0. and 0. Um, So it was very disappointing 
to yeah. not only lose the game, but lose the game in, in a fashion that we we lost it. Peyton Manning comes in and scores 38 points in the arrowhead. Like that just cannot <laughs> happen. So even though I had a great game, I did not feel any type of happiness whatsoever after that loss. Donnie, we know you're still a, a Chiefs fan. We we saw you throwing on a Chiefs hat, you know, before we got started. Is there any part of you that sits here and looks at the the mind that Andy Reid has, and you didn't have him as a head coach, and the playmaking ability Patrick Mahomes has at the quarterback spot, and if you went, if I would have just played a little later, if I could have been with these two, how could they have used the talents that I bring to a football field? Did that ever cross your mind? Every single Sunday that crosses my mind. And I'll yeah. never forget the first time I went on the road to watch this Andy Reid Chiefs uh, offense was in Jacksonville's home opener uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the season opener. And I remember from the stands watching a play develop. Like, it's different when you're watching on TV. I'm at the game, and I'm seeing a guy run over and then up. I had never seen that concept before. And at that moment, <laughs> mm. I thought to myself, wow. I wish I was Tyreek Hill right now. I yeah. really do. <laughs> yeah. And, and Dante, you know, in the post Tyreek Hill era for the Chiefs, I think we've seen some evolution with this offense, right? And the way they want to attack defenses and the way Andy Reid has schemed things up and the um, evolution of the run game too with Isaiah Pacheco. Like what, what has impressed you most about the way that they're trying to find ways and different ways to find success attacking defenses and winning games? Just hit it on the head. I've been impressed by them basically suppressing their ego, realizing the cards that they have in their hands and playing those cards perfectly. Last week, you saw a lot more two, three tight end sets, a lot more emphasis on the run Mm -hmm. game. Um, I I just it just showed me that these guys understand how to win, know how to win. And it doesn't matter if it's dink and dunks or if it's bombs over Baghdad, it does not matter. Like, they're going to find a way to win. They're going to use the pieces that they have. And I think that's a testament to uh, a great coordinating and also great head coaching. And the staff, in terms of developing players, Donna, you mentioned dink and dunk. The teams have taken away a lot of the deep stuff, and you see these underneath crossing routes where you see a guy like Rasheed Rice, a rookie, kind of be able to kind of work his way across the field, find some of those voids and defenses, and then make plays with the ball once it gets in his hands after he makes the catch. What have you seen from the rookie receiver uh, that kind of has just really just grown and grown himself and as a role in this offense? Yeah, I remember early on, as far as back as the preseason, he had a case of the drops. So the fact that he was mm-hmm. able to get over the drop seeds, I think I've seen maybe one or two drops uh, in this latter part of the season. So he's continued to get better and grow. And that's all you can ask from a young guy, right? Just don't continue making the same mm-hmm. mistakes. He's eliminated that drop passes. And it seems like to me that he has an understanding more of the offense because they are incorporating him more in the offense. I think early on, he wasn't able to get this much playing time because he didn't have a grasp on the uh, playbook. He didn't have the trust in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But that all seems to have gotten better and developed nicely at the right time. Yeah. And Dante, I think, you know, in terms of your personal story, we obviously came to know you for your skills in the return game, but I felt like you, the further along you got in your career, we started to see the nuances of your game as a total package wide receiver, you know, as well on the offensive side of the ball and looking at that to follow up on Rasheed Rice, like what were some of the nuances of the position that you picked up along the way that allowed you to become a more focal, a bigger focal point for the offense, not just in the return game. Whereas we're kind of seeing some of that same stuff within this season in terms of Rasheed Rice's arc as a wide receiver from start to where we're at now. So like, what what are some of the things that facilitate that improvement from a wide receiver? So it's like when you first come into the league, right? Your brain is already moving a hundred miles per hour. So your body intends to do what your brain (laughs) is doing. Once you learn concepts, um, where to be, when to be there, landmarks, things like that. So one of the biggest nuances that uh, Coach Charlie Joyner, a Hall of Famer, I was very fortunate to have him. He will always tell me, be fast, but don't hurry. 
And it took me two years to figure out what the hell that meant. Be fast, but don't hurry. That basically meant, you know, be fast, but be under control. You may not want to come out of that crowd as fast as you can, maybe speed out of it at a, you know, third gear type rate. So little nuances like that, how not to show and tip your hat, whether you're running a short route, deep route, crossing routes, right? They would just, you know, teach me when you line up like this, put your inside foot up versus back. Uh, don't look where you're going. And then one of the other nuances was obviously just learning how to route run. And I had one of the greatest guys on my team at that time, Johnny Morton from USC. Yes. Go out mm. with his route and Detroit and with them. So a combination of all of these guys kind of um, helped me within the nuances of using my speed and my quickness. I, I'm looking at different players in this game, Dante, and I'm looking at guys that are just so hard to tackle. Zay Flowers is that type of player. Just He's just hard to get your hands on. Lamar is that type of player. But Patrick's that type of player, too, where just the way he moves on a field, it is hard to tackle him. You were impossible to tackle. So what <laughs> makes a, a player hard to tackle in your mind? Because we have a couple of them that do it different ways in this game. Well, for guys like myself, um, Zay Flowers, um, you know, we just are given a God ability, ability to get in and out of breaks that just bigger guys can't do. Like we can't do some of the things big mm -hmm. guys can do. They can't do what we can do. But when you take a, you talk about a guy like Lamar, who's six two, six three, able to move like a little guy, and then you take Patrick Mahomes, is who's a little more girthier, not as fast, but he's very savvy with his no looks, mm -hmm. all fakes, little things like that, right? I look at him like a Steph Curry. Steph Curry is not Allen Iverson quick, but he's very savvy with his mechanics as far yeah. as head movement, movement and things like that. So it's more ways to skin a cat. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? right. That's right. And uh, man, nobody's done it as, as good that. as you've done it. I mean, like one of the best, very best in the business uh, in terms of the return game and the impact you can have on a game making big plays and certainly hope we see some of those in this game between the Chiefs and Ravens on Sunday. Dante, it's been a blast, man. Thanks so much for being a part of the this NFL awesome. Report today, man. Really This should have been it. the whole show, Rhett. That's it. Yeah. We could have just been done. That's <laughs> great. I love Thanks, telling you what you guys do, so I'll come back on anytime. Appreciate it, My guys. Man. Love Dante it. Hall you to that. with us here on the NFL Report. Still to come on this episode of the NFL Report. You love what the messaging that Dan Campbell brings to the Lions, but what's the tangible effect of it? Stacey Dales is going to tell us, and how do the 49ers deal with it? That's Omar Ruiz's department when we come back. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Just the Bay Area and the faithful in general, um, we want this game bad, you know, and they've obviously been hoping, you know, you know, to have another championship come in this organization. Last couple times we've been in the Super Bowl, we've fallen short. So um, now we get a shot at it again. So to play at home in the NFC Championship, it's going to be it's going to be sweet. Yeah, what a difference a year makes, right? Brock Purdy back in the NFC Championship game as he gets set to have his 49ers host the Detroit Lions. Welcoming you back to NFL Report here. Rhett Lewis in for Steve Weitz today. Of course, James Palmer uh, with us as well. And we get to say hello to our friends Stacey Dales and Omar Ruiz here. Stacey's been covering the Lions for us this week. And Omar is in Santa Clara right now, which is where we will play this championship game in the NFC on Sunday. Um, Stacey... Hearing from Brock Purdy is a good thing because it sure does sound like that uh, the good folks in the Detroit Lions defense slash secondary, not real interested in hearing from him or talking about him this week. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> 
Rhett, if they're talking anything about him, it's a whole lot of smack. I mean, yeah. I was in the locker room for nice. Championship Wednesday and tried to go up and get a little juice out of C.J. Gardner-Johnson, <laughs> and um, I just, we couldn't. He didn't want anything to do with Brock Purdy talk or really anything to do with us media members. That's how salty this secondary is. I think it's emblematic of of kind of the tone and tenor of that defense as they've gotten better and better and better, like Dan Campbell told me on Wednesday. We... Our confidence is going up. It has improved. There's an uptick, especially over these last six weeks. And when I asked Kirby Joseph, uh, a safety for this group, this secondary, what's the most improved thing about your defense? He said to me, fear. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, the fear we're putting basically in opposing offenses, given how hard we play and how physical we play. And that's what they're going to take to see (laughs) Brock Purdy Sunday. Oh, you know they're bringing that physical brand of football. We all remember Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Debo Samuel having that social media back and forth. Speaking of Debo Samuel, limited in practice today, certainly trending in the right direction. When we were out there yesterday in the limited role uh, that he had officially listed as a non-participant, but while they were stretching, he was running up and down the practice field, carrying the football in his hand. And it almost seemed like he was really exaggerating his arm pumps to really test the mobility of that shoulder. And it didn't look like he had any discomfort. So when you go from DMP Wednesday to limited Thursday, and it looks like he can run and carry the football full speed, if nothing else, he looks like he could be a decoy on Sunday and be able to play. Obviously, time will tell the rest of the week. The 49ers have a more physical practice on Thursday, a little more intensity. And then, of course, there's Friday to watch. So, you know, we'll continue to monitor the Debo situation, but what an impact he has when he is in the lineup. Yeah, Omar, we know how different of a squad this is when Debo's not there, the physicality gone. I love how they used a variety of guys, though, right, to go and fill in for him after he went down in that divisional round. Just kind of maybe three different players really playing different spots that Debo does uh, different things on the field. Let's go with a guy that's throwing the football to him, Omar. And we heard from him at the start of this segment and Brock Purdy. Uh, what What's the vibe right now with Brock Purdy and kind of – I don't know if the term is get him back on track. I don't know if there is confidence that is high. Where is the vibe with Brock Purdy? Because he did lead him down the field uh, to win that game last week. Well, they say they're confident in Brock Purdy, and and I believe uh, that to be the case. There's so much confidence heading into the postseason behind Brock and his MVP caliber type of regular season and just looking to build on that. And you can give a variety of reasons why he might have been off against the Green Bay Packers on Saturday. You can blame the wet balls and the rainy conditions that happened. You can credit the Packers defense for putting together a game plan that made him uncomfortable. And he said that they were taking away a lot of the deep shots early and, and maybe he was trying to force some of them. We saw the Darnell Savage missed interception. He said affect him in a way that prevented him from uh, you know, being maybe as aggressive and, and being more tentative in that game as it unfolded. But then They all credit Brock Purdy for getting back on track himself and adjusting mid-game and being able to lead that game-winning touchdown drive with uh, six completions, seven attempts. Uh, And then I asked Shanahan today, was that an encouraging sign that he was able to self-correct or do you have to continue on that coaching point to uh, take the checkdowns when they're there? And he says, there's no exact science to it. You just have to play the position, just have to play football. It's not just, okay, they're covering deep, now you have to check down, or they're covering short, now you have to go deep. You just have to make those decisions. And he said, Brock Purdy has been the best quarterback that he's been around in making those decisions and executing that part of the offense. So they look to get that version of Brock Purdy again on Sunday. You know, Omar, I mentioned that the secondary doesn't really want to talk about Brock Purdy, but there are a couple guys that did give me some stuff on him. And I was having a conversation at the Lions facility, and we were talking about this whole Mr. Irrelevant term. Like, the only word they're using to describe Brock Purdy in Detroit as they prepare for him is Mr. Relevant. That's how much respect. So they're not (laughs) buying into all these narratives. When I talked to Alex Anzalone, who's just such a superstar linebacker. And I heard Baldy break down this defense, and he did it, as he always does, so well. But that guy's everywhere. And he said, you know, basically to me, we're not buying into the narrative that he, this guy can't make big throws. He gets the ball in space. We know what he does well. He gets the ball in space. He's extremely efficient. And those receivers are so good, perhaps 
best in the NFL with those yaks, those yards after catch. And, and when I had Kittle, as we watch him here uh, a few weeks ago against the Eagles, like he said, our bread and butter is is yaks. I mean, that's where we we make a we, we bank, we make a fortune on those. And so tackling in open space, Anzalone said, is obviously going to be critical. But they have so much respect for Brock Purdy and think that, you know, all this conversation that's happening out there that he can't make the big throws and look what happened against Green Bay. Uh-uh. They ain't buying into it. He can throw those daggers, as Dan Campbell talked about this week. And uh, they're going in there, though, hungry. They want to hit him. They want to break his rhythm, do it early and often in this game to throw off some of the, that timing with those receivers. You know, Stacey, um, I feel like Brock Purdy and the the type of player and person he is and the personality that he has would fit in in Detroit, right, with with their mentality. But they are, of course, very happy with Jared Goff, who is, uh, to quote Dan Campbell, good enough for Mm. (laughs) Detroit. Um, But just talking again about the, the personality of this team, the grit, right? We talk about it a lot. And, you know, we've seen, you know, a lot of Dan Campbell's pitches to this team, right? Uh, about his his vision and his plan <laughs> and all this. And it does feel like there's something tangible about those words, which, you know, by definition are very intangible. Like it feels like they are turning that Accurate, plan right? and that vision into something that is real and that you can see transpire out there on the field. Have you been able to put your finger on that? Mm-hmm. It is real. It's genuine, too. Uh, like, the conversations I have, like, with Aline McNeil, and if you guys haven't had a conversation with Aline McNeil, this is a superstar interior defensive lineman. He will give yeah. you sound bites to use for an entire Sunday, football Sunday. He's that awesome. Um, he, he said, you know, there's a clip circulating right now. I think it's Hard Knocks, he said, uh, with yeah. Dan Campbell at training camp. They just completed the padded practice. And Dan Campbell is really imploring his men that they need to trust in him. And Aleem told me that we were we bought in, right? We they bought in last year to Dan Campbell, and when, even when he took over with the kneecap stuff. But when when he spoke to us that day after a brutal padded practice and said to us, "Trust me, trust the process," Aleem was like. We were completely bought in like this. This guy, he said, when Dan Campbell talks to you, you listen and you believe it and they all embody it. I mean, it's real. Um, But it's just so interesting. Like when you think about Kyle Shanahan and Dan Campbell and what they've done, right, Omar, with with their teams, respectively, Kyle Shanahan, you just believe in him. And that's when you get to this stage. You have to have that in leadership. And I think it, it shows up, you know, moments like this. Yeah, some of their qualities mirroring each other in that they had the big breakout year in year three after laying a foundation the first couple of years. But you talk about that sense of physicality, the aggressiveness that Dan Campbell coaches with. The 49ers sense that. Diamador Lenore, one of the more physical corners that the 49ers have. He told me yesterday he likes to be one of those tone setters. If you remember, he's the one that pushed Jordan Love, a clean play, a legal play, so far out of bounds. Then the very next play, he broke up a big pass with a physical hit, uh, he said that he knows that because of how Campbell is, a former player, uh, somebody who speaks as aggressively as he does, the Lions will come in here with that physical mindset because he knows if people are going to compete against the 49ers, they have to match that physicality. And then Brandon Ayuk telling me yesterday that this is the most aggressive defense that they'll have faced all season long. Now, there's a lot of feast or famine attached to that. They'll give up big plays, but they'll make big plays as well. And it's a matter of trying to get more big plays for the 49ers and the Detroit defense uh, in that matchup on Sunday. Omar, Stacey, you guys have your hands full considering we had this entire conversation, this lengthy segment about this game, and we barely, barely mentioned the name Jared Goff in this entire conversation. That's how (laughs) many storylines we have. That, right, right. You said it very abruptly, and then you went on to Dan Campbell, and you went on to the messages out there. But that's how many storylines we have in this game, and that's all everything we're looking at that encapsulates everything Stacy and Omar have to cover for this massive game. But Jared Goff and the way he's playing, like one of the best quarterbacks in all of football, the second half of the year, I'll give him his credit because he is not on the show right now. Rhett is filling in for Steve Weich. Steve said halfway point. I believe Jared Goff is going to be in the MVP conversation at the end of the year. And you know what? He deserved to be the way he was playing down the stretch. You guys enjoy a beautiful one together in Santa Clara on Sunday. We're going to have to talk to you (laughs) after it. Stacey Omar, appreciate it. Coming up, 
Baldy's gonna break down this man and his gorgeous eyes. What? No, it's what Patrick Mahomes does with his eyes. It's what Lamar Jackson does with his feet that Baldy wants to break down next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Rhett Lewis with you. I have my popcorn. That means it's Baldy's favorite films. Brian Baldinger joins us. Baldy, let's cut right to it because we got 10 minutes to break down the two biggest games yeah. of the season. And let's start right. with the number one seed in the AFC, Lamar Jackson. Uh, we saw what D'Amico Ryans tried to do, which was essentially almost blitz him every single down. Uh, <laughs> do whatever he tried to do in the second half to get after him. Lamar made some nice adjustments specifically in that second half. How do you defend Lamar? What are we going to see from C. Spagnuolo and his group? Well, we'll see something different for sure. But, you know, just to go back to Houston in that game, because he was flawless in the second half. But, you know, the, the big thing was they had an answer for the blitz, James. They knew where to go with it. He knew mm -hmm. where his hot reads was. One time he backed up and he hit Zay Flowers for a first down. I mean, that throw right there against Christian Harris, uh, blitzing uh, right up the middle at him. You know, he found the hot read. And then, look, right here, if you don't account for him, like this is a designed quarterback draw right there. Uh, they just ran, you know, a route. That you, you run quarterback keeper until it's not a keeper anymore, and then you flip it to likely for the touchdown. I mean, a lot of these are deceptives. Here comes a blitz, Jalen Petrie right there. You know, they hit Zay Flowers right there, right behind it. Um, you know, every time uh, they had an answer, you know, they, they he ran the quarterback keeper right there on fourth and one. Uh, right here is a touchdown run, get behind Stanley. They had an answer for everything that he did. Now, Spags will be a little bit different. Um, he'll disguise their blitzes, I think, better. I think they'll blitz more off the edge than what we saw Houston do. So it'll be different. But at the same time, I got to see if they can knock the Lamar off his stride because Houston couldn't do it, especially in that second half. Yeah, and on, on the flip side, if, while we're on the subject of answers, finding answers against Patrick Mahomes has been very difficult over the course of the last five-plus years, Brian Baldinger, for opposing defenses trying to deal with number 15 for the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, that'll be the case for Mike McDonald and this Ravens defense this week. But the one thing that like they can't really do a whole lot about is stopping Patrick Mahomes from identifying where he wants to go with the ball as quickly as he does. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. He knows where he wants to go and how he wants to get it there, Baldy. You're right, Brett. And you know, as a former quarterback, I think you can appreciate this. The thing that just keeps showing up it was not just last week against Buffalo. But when he does either go play action, turns back to the defense, or the, the pocket collapses and he's got to pull a little Houdini act, and like right here, like his ability to go find Rasheed Rice on his throw hmm. and see, reset his eyes and then make a stick throw as soon as he finds him, like that shows up all the time. And so like this throw, I mean, they, that seven cut right there, Rhett, they must run that yeah. play that in, in pregame yep. warm-up. 15 times. I mean, anybody that's watched Kansas City warm up, they run that same seven cut. Here it is right here. They run that seven cut over side. and over again. They all line up. I mean, so it's, 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 it's just what they practice like all the time. And then, okay, but that's how you have to throw it. You have to throw it with that kind of timing into a spot against a defense that basically plays matchup zone and takes those away. Baldy, when we jump over to the other game and we look at what Ben Johnson has been doing with, I mean, I think any offensive coordinator would like that group of skill guys, specifically when they're lining up uh, surrounding an offensive line like they have in Detroit. The, but the way he's dialing it up and the concepts that he's using, what, what has stood out to you most about the way he's been able to utilize these pieces that we might see on Sunday in Santa Clara? Well, you know, I mean, he's got his play chart there. But the thing that jumps out is – how he utilizes certain plays and formations based on down distance, where you're out in the field, if the, if the ball is on the left hash, 
maybe we'll put Amon Ross St. Brown on the right hash and let him work a whole bunch of the field. So wherever the ball is placed, it sort of starts his play call and how they get matchups for Sam Laporta, where they might just do a simple uh, short motion from the outside to get him on the corner who's nine yards off and make it an easier throw for Jared Goff. What they've done with Brock Wright uh, in the deceptive way of what they did to him last week. In addition to how they run the ball, Montgomery always starts it. Jameer Gibbs is always going to come in second. And this guy right here I call the Motown Comet, Jamison Williams. You have to account for a speed. You have to just account for the speed because he's going to take the top off your defense and he's going to make your safeties respect his speed. They don't throw to him a lot, but it opens up a lot of things for Amon Ross St. Brown uh, underneath uh, throughout the season and to, you know, to Josh Reynolds as well. You know, what's even more scary to me is considering this Lions team and like their run is far from over and they want it to continue into Las Vegas, you know, following this week. But as these head coaching gigs are starting to fill up a little bit, we talked about two of them at the top, Baldy, Harbaugh to the Chargers and Dave Canales to the Panthers. If Dan Campbell gets Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn both back next year, <laughs> my goodness, like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, I hope for both their sakes that they get, you know, all the head coaching looks that they want and deserve. But my goodness, that would be incredible uh, for Detroit. Speaking of Aaron Glenn, you know, his tenure as the D.C. has not been without turbulence, right? They've, they've gone through some issues and worked their way through it. And I think something to be said for the patience there that Dan Campbell has showed in trying to get that thing right. But I think what's, what's most valuable about what they do this year and maybe even in this matchup is the different ways that they can account for how offenses want to attack them. Yeah, I mean, there, there was plays last week, Rhett, where they had four safeties on the field. You know, they they, they had Chardency Gardner got Johnson and Ifiatu Melofuanu out there, you know, in addition to Kirby Joseph. Um, you know, they'll they'll play four safeties and down in distances. They will match your, your formations up with uh, various personnel groupings. They blitz a great deal with Ifiatu. Uh, Melifuanu coming off the edge. He's an excellent blitzer. Kirby Joseph with that interception right there. Like, their ability to to, to mix and match with you, uh, in addition to Alex Anzalone, who plays every single play. And then the way that they'll do things with the fronts. Last week, on third and longs, they played a three-man front. They played four safeties. They played eight defensive backs. So they will max mix and match with you, depending on game situation, down distance, um, uh, parts of the field that you're in. And so all those things, I think Aaron can kind of play chess with the best of them right now because they have such flexibility with their personnel groupings. Well, I want to throw this one at you. And this is kind of a, a broader look at the four teams that are left. And I look at the linebacker position with the four teams that are left. And you look at, you know, Roquan Smith and the group that that they have there. You look in, in Kansas City right now, Steve Spagnuolo is putting Drew Tranquil and Nick Bolton, two Mike linebackers, on the field at the same time and, and kind of running things in a different manner there. We know the guys that that line up in Santa Clara. And then, obviously, the way you mentioned Anzalone and, and the other guys that play there in Detroit. What do you think about that position specifically and what the way we see these four teams are utilizing that spot that are left playing? Well, if I was some of the teams on the outside looking in, like let's just say the Cowboys or the Eagles, where they don't seem to put a great deal of emphasis on the linebacker position, uh, Derek Barnes closed mm-hmm. the game out last week with an interception for Detroit. Roquan Smith got traded for from Chicago, and the day that he got to Baltimore is the day he took over the leadership ability at that position, and the defense changed the day that yep. Roquan got there. I mean, Fred Warner gets drafted in the third round out of BYU, and literally the day he got there – he, he put the green dot on his helmet, and he started every game since. Like, there's something about all – I mean, you, you see Dre Greenlaw get two interceptions last week. I mean, these guys never come off the field. They play every, mm-hmm. every situation, goal line, third and 30, they're on the field. They never come off the field. So, if I'm on the outside looking in and I'm thinking, well, you can find linebackers anywhere, or we can just fill that position with big safeties. Well, you can't. You can't play in the final four right now without having great players at those positions. And sometimes you got to pay those great players like Roquan Smith. But Roquan's made Patrick Queen better. Uh, I talked mm-hmm. to Fred Warner earlier this year, guys, and he was saying, you know, Baldy, this is my fifth year of lining up with Dre Greenlaw. 
Like those two guys know wow. each other yeah. as well as you could possibly know one another on the field. Like that's five years of football and a lot of championship level games between those two guys who never come off the field for San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, look at it. That, awesome. That's one of the common threads. The other offensive linemen and the emphasis and the valuable resources that have been spent by these four teams to fortify that group up front, I think is, yeah. is really important to look at both in the draft and yep. free agency, different ways to go about it. Um, but that's uh, that's great context, great analysis for us, great. as always. Baldy, Villa South great, looks Baldy. beautiful. Hope you get a little time in the ocean Love it. before Championship yes. Sunday. And we will check back with you soon that, right? here on the NFL Report. When I come, when we come back, I'm going to give you guys uh, some names to know from the East West Shrine Bowl, which kicks off on Thursday, and some intriguing facts love about some of those names to know. Get your popcorn ready. Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report podcast along with myself and Steve Weish. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday. That's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app, as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms, as well as the NFL.com slash NFL channel. Find us all of those spots. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So why am I holding an East-West Shrine Bowl 89 Steve Smith jersey is because, sir, what does that say right there? You are going into the East-West Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame before the game. Again, February 1st, 8 p.m. on NFL Network. Congratulations to you, my friend. Mike Garofalo, Steve Smith, two friends of the NFL report right there. And hopefully Steve's jersey says Steve Smith Sr. there. And look at this. Thursday, 8 p.m., East-West Shrine Bowl. And, Rhett, you will... Be hosting, no, not hosting, calling that game <laughs> Whatever you on want NFL Network. So what we want to do is I told you I was going to keep my popcorn from when we were just chatting with Baldy, and I want you to give me the five most intriguing storylines. You have the inside goods on the <sighs> East-West Shrine Bowl. Right. Let's start with the running back out of UCLA, and this isn't just interesting stuff, guys, on the field. It's <laughs> off the field as well. Go. Yes, thank you, James. Uh, Transferred from Ball State, where he rushed for over 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns in the 2022 season. Spent this last year almost 1,000 yards at UCLA. But you're going to love him because of his pet, which is a five-foot alligator named Crocky J. Not sure why Crocky that Jay. is the name. I mean, Crocodile, Crocky. Well, well I'm going to find that out when I get a chance to talk to him in person. But he's had it since he was eight years old. His parents thought it would be a fun Christmas gift. And yes. Um, a fun it's, gag. It, just like, oh, hey, here's an alligator. Um, but it's still with us. And Crocky Jay is a big deal in the Carson Steele uh, household back in Indiana. And so um, he is an absolute stud. And they live the in Indiana. Yes, yes. He's an absolute don't even live in the Everglades or anything like that. His his nicknames are Thor and Fabio. Uh, Fabio because of his hair. Thor because he can lift the entire weight room. Like he is an absolute stud of a human being. Can't wait to talk to him. Can't wait to see uh, him on the broadcast Thursday night. Love it. Love it. How about seven QBs you're going to have there? we got plenty of experience with these guys too, right? Yes. And every single one of those seven quarterbacks from Devin Leary to Jordan Travis to Talia Tungavailoa and everywhere in between have played at more than one school. Okay. Thus the transfer portal era of college football. And all seven of them have played in more than 40 games. So go back to Shrine Bowl alums hmm. of recent past, Brock Purdy. Aiden O'Connell last year, Dorian Thompson Robinson last year, all guys who started games in the NFL this year and had that opportunity because of the experience they had in college. And so I can't wait to see which one of these seven quarterbacks with that type of experience can show us 
the ability to step into an opportunity if it presents itself in his rookie year. Okay, how about two guys catching the football? Taj Washington yes. and Jaden Coker. A couple of receivers to keep an eye on, apparently. Yeah, good ones here. Um, so Taj Washington's an interesting one here, uh, right here in Los Angeles where I live, uh, home of NFL Network, of course, uh, James. Humble he brag. is a US, <laughs> US, well, USC guy. And in addition to being one of their top wideouts each of the last couple of years, um, Taj has become known as Chef Taj. In fact, he has his own YouTube channel um, where whoa, he whoa, whoa! That's meals. NFL Report competition. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we don't. I, oh, maybe we okay. don't. It's, it, no Huddle Kitchen, by the way. No Huddle Kitchen. Don't tell James and Steve. Uh, go go check that out at some <laughs> point. But he's also been a guest chef at a restaurant on campus, and dishes mm-hmm. named after him are popping up all around Los Angeles. Like the dude's a legit. That's chef. So next time you're in town, we'll go see Chef Taj. Okay. Uh, he's also a really good. I player. love it. Can't wait to see him. And then you mentioned Jalen Coker, uh, who, you know, we love the guys that come from the smaller schools and make a big name for themselves when the competition ramps up. That is the case in the Shrine Bowl for a guy who played at FCS Holy Cross and was a phenomenally productive wide receiver. But he is known. James, that he wanted to play in the NFL since he was a six-year-old playing flag football. And in fact, he was so good okay. at youth sports that parents would come up to his mom, Jenny, and they were like, we're going to see your son playing on TV one day. Well, as it turns out, you're going to see him playing in primetime on national television, Mrs. Coker, Thursday night on NFL Network at 8 Eastern. I love it. That used to happen to me at youth sports. Yeah. How about uh, Tarheeb Still, the corner yeah. from Maryland? Real quick on him ton of, of talent in the defensive back room the last two years at Maryland. You might remember Deontay Banks and Ja'Cory and Bennett last year who blew up the combine with 4-3 yep. 40 times. Both of them went yep. on the first two days of the draft. Um, Talia Tungavailoa, Tarheeb's teammate, told me that Tarheeb used to regularly beat them, those two dudes, in races. So he's oh. got the speed as well. Oh, Something to watch. I love it. Something I love it. Rhett has his hands full. I love it. That's the inside analysis you get from Rhett Lewis when he subs in here and when he hosts games. But you also get inside analysis from these two guys right here, James Palmer, Steve Walsh. That's us. Monday, 7-15, Steve will be back, but definitely Rhett will be returning. I will tell you that, Rhett. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. This is also a podcast, as Rhett said. Let's do it, guys. You can always catch Rhett on Move the Sticks, by the way. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.